once again to the Perimeter Church podcast, The Descendants of Anak. That was the kicker in the majority report returned by the 12 spies Moses sent into the land God promised Israel. Strong people? Okay. Fortified cities? Maybe. Descendants of Anak? Nope. No way God could keep that promise. Lead teacher Randy Pope starts the new series, Faith Walking, with this message entitled, Faith Walking When It Seems Impossible, which covers Numbers, chapters 13 and 14. Thank you for joining us today. Let's assume that we could give God one gift. You have to choose what that gift is going to be. What gift would you give God? I think if I were to answer that question, the thing that came to my mind first Uh, I would want to give God maybe what I might call a major league expression of faith. Maybe something like Abraham when he offered up Isaac. God says to Abraham, give me your son. He didn't understand why, didn't understand how he could possibly do it, but he said yes, and he began to give his son to the Lord. What an expression of faith. God certainly called it off. But he saw a person of faith. That had to please God. And maybe it'd be like the the widow at Zarephath. Maybe the mother who had her son and she's about to die with her son and she has one more meal to give to her little boy. And God says, uh, I want you to give it to the prophet. And by faith, she did just that. Just an expression, not because she understood it, not because she liked it, not because she wanted to, but because God said so, she did it. And maybe it'd be like the widow's might. The widow who gave that last little bit out of the little she had, she gave, and she gets the praise of the Almighty among all givers. Hmm. Maybe it'd be like Noah. You know the story of Noah. Noah builds this ark when he is of yet to see rain. But God said to do it. I'm sure he didn't want to do it, didn't like doing it. But he said, God, I'm going to do it as an expression of faith. I actually think that if you wanted to step beyond just one of these major league expressions of faith, maybe what would please God even more would be a life expression of faith. Maybe what we might call a faith walk throughout life, saying, God, I hear what you're saying. I don't like it. I don't understand it. It's not my choice. I wouldn't want to do that. But because you say to do it, and for that reason alone, as an expression of faith that I trust in you, I'm going to do it. And that becomes a daily walk. We're beginning a series now on this very topic of faith walking. What does it mean to faith walk? Obviously, as you look at the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, it lists the Hall of Famers of faith. And it mentions a list of these major league expressions of faith. Now they come out of the Old Testament. And as they do, he then says, now this is what pleases God. He says, without faith, In verse 6, it is impossible to please God, which suggests that it is the faith that we offer that does please God. 
So if we want to please God, then what we want to do is to be able to say, God, I give you a life of faith, a life that lives walking by faith day in and day out. I can't imagine anything more important to the heart of our God than just that. We're going to be learning over these next handful of weeks what it means to walk by faith. I'm going to give you the five subject matters that we're going to be looking at beginning this week with number one, faith walking when it seems impossible out of the book of Numbers, then getting prepared for a faith walk and the greatest challenge of faith walking all coming out of Joshua. Then we're going to look in 2 Samuel, the enemy of faith walking, and then the secret of faith walking. Now, if you notice, these are all stories out of the Old Testament. What an opportunity to go into the Old Testament and to see the stories of a people known as the Israelites and their faith walk, which was hampered awfully, often by their sin, but sometimes see these incredible expressions. And then it says... These take place in order for us to have an example. So we're going to be looking into the Old Testament over these few weeks. It is my prayer. It is my hope that God is going to use these five weeks in a significant way to cause you and me to go further in a faith walk than we've ever experienced in a lifetime. Let's pray to that end and then we'll start, okay? Father in heaven, we do ask that you would allow us to be able to begin a faith walk for some of us who have never yet entered into a relationship with you. And for many of us here who have been in a faith walk for years, but our faith is so small, we have to admit that we walk, it seems more by sight walking than faith walking. God, we're going to pray, would you please do something significant in the life of this church, in the lives of each of us individually? We would pray and we would believe in five weeks from now, we're going to be different people. We're going to think differently about our walk, and you're going to be greater pleased. And Father, with that, we'll be very satisfied. We thank you that your pleasure is enhanced by our love and faithfulness, but that your love for us stays constant because of the work of your son, Jesus. Thank you that we have the privilege of knowing our acceptance doesn't come from our pleasing you, but by your son doing that on Calvary's cross. Remind us of that frequently. Bless this series. We give it to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let me say a few words of introduction before we get into our first text. Uh, this is not a series, obviously, by the text. It's not a series on stewardship of what we might think of as financial stewardship. However, every two to three years, I give a series on biblical stewardship it always goes hand in hand with the launching of our, what we now call our all-in effort. I've chosen not to teach a series that has to do with finances. Instead of doing that, I want to teach a series that has to do with faith walking. And what I'll do each week is I will make application to our financial stewardship, but that's it. Not a teaching itself, 
but an application. Now, even in saying that, I know what I hear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. This is going to be touching about money. Money. It is. Without apology. If I need to apologize to this, the church that God has given me the privilege of pastoring, it would be to apologize I don't talk more about money. But I realize that there is something that happens when we hear finances that causes us something to go on inside. You know, we've done this taking one month every three years or so. This will be our 12th time. This will take us through three more years. We'll take us to year 40. I honestly believe those 11 times previous to this have marked this church in such a significant way that much of who we are to the glory of God has come by these special months. Month in, month out, in terms of every two to three years, we do it. Something happens. It's hard to explain. Let me suggest to you that uh, as you hear this, I know some of you get a little restless when you hear us, we're going to be talking about applying it to money. I want to say two things. Number one, my motive. My motive of doing this is to get something for you, not something from you. Some of you are new. How would you know even to trust that? You probably can't. But I'm telling you this, and I say it with integrity, our goal is to get something for you, not something from you. Number two, I suggest that the importance of this emphasis is far beyond what you and I could ever imagine. And it's in understanding the importance that you understand how I can say, we want to do something for you. Two thoughts. I'll put them up so you can read them. Number one, there is a certain kind of spiritual growth that comes only as a result of the adventure of giving. And number two, without periodic challenges regarding our faith walk, especially as it relates to our giving, we will tend to revert to sight walking. I know that's the case. In fact, let me explain. There are numerous kinds of ways that help us in our own journey of spiritual growth. Certainly for all of us, hearing the Word of God being taught accurately and helpfully and being applied, that enhances our spiritual growth. There are certain kinds of growth that are going to come only through someone entering into our life experience and mentoring us, where they're speaking into our lives, they're observing our lives, we get to watch their lives and interact with what God's doing in their lives and to see great change take place. Thus, such an emphasis on our, on our journey groups here. There are going to be certain kinds of growth that are going to come through the spiritual disciplines that you're finding in your life as you add those disciplines and they deepen in your life that now something begins to be transformed in your heart. It's not because you're just working a change in your own life, but God uses the means of grace with which you've become disciplined and your life begins to change and your growth takes off. But I'll tell you what, of all the different kinds, there's another that you've got to keep adding to this group, and that is the particular approach to the adventure of giving following God's instruction. It is Carol and my story, and it is a true story. And as we have done this through the years, that there is a freedom that comes to us in our spiritual life that comes through giving. Every two to three years when we do this, we're just like you. When I realize it's time to do this series, I'm a little bit, oh no, oh no. 
Not because of what you're going to say. It's because I know what God's going to do. He's going to ask of me things that I wouldn't right now be so readily excited to give because something happens to our hands. The things that we steward just begin to tighten a little bit every single month and year. And next thing you know, we're holding on to what we have. And then we go through an adventure like this where we teach on it from God's word. We get his perspective. We hear his call in our lives and our things. And something happens and our hands open up and our hearts are freed. It is so very important to us in our own spiritual walk. I can't tell you how much so. We find that when this series starts, I know some of you are going to say, I don't know, you'll be very convenient not to come next week. It won't take but just a small, yeah, probably not. And back we're hearing, you know, well, he's going to be talking about money anyway. And so we don't. See, I can't do that. I have to come every week. I, and truthfully, I mean, it's like, how do I get out of this? <laughs> you heard the story, didn't you, of the, the mom who came down to her, up to her son's room and said, son, it, get Sunday, need to get up, time to get up, got to go to church. Mommy, I don't want to go to church. Well, son, you, you need to go to church. Well, give me three reasons. Well, number one, it's the Lord's Day, and we worship on the Lord's Day. Give me another reason. Well, number two, because it's good for you to worship. You, you know, it's good for you. You get a great benefit out of worshiping. One more reason, Mom. You're the pastor and you got to preach. Get up. <laughs> so Carol says to me, you're the preacher. You got to get up and go. What I'm saying is this. What we tend to feel as a sense of duty, and none of us love to hear of duty, begins to turn to the light. When we begin to understand the truth of God and his call, and when it turns to the light, there's a freedom in the heart, I promise you, that's different than any experience. It's different. Now, having said that, I want you to know that uh, if you question my motives or this church's motives, I'm going to challenge you for your good to do this. You come. Every week you come. If you miss, listen, listen to the... Uh, uh, to the uh, uh, recording of this thing. And then you do this. If God stirs your heart to give, you give it to another organization, a faith organization. Don't give it to this church. I still challenge you, come. Even you give it somewhere else. Watch what God's going to do to your heart. I'm convinced good things are going to happen. So here it is. Number one, come to the series week to week. Number two, uh, attend what we're going to call our vision awareness meetings. We're going to offer starting the 14th of, uh, of this month, multiple nights. I'll be there night after night meeting with as many of you that come. And we're going to cast the vision. You're going to see where this is headed. This place is headed over the next three years. And then prayerfully consider God's prompting in your own heart to what God would have you to do. Watch what happens in your heart. Watch what happens in your church. Good things. Now with that, let's look at the first of our subject matter. Our first subject has to do with faith walking when it seems impossible. Faith walking when it seems impossible. Out of Numbers 13 and 14. Turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And as you're doing that, I want to give you a little description or definition of faith walking. You see, faith walking is not having to do with the things that we want in life so much that uh, maybe God's not spoken about, or the things we want to accomplish, the things we want to do, the things, I mean, all those things we can pursue and good and so forth if they're all right. But 
We're talking about here those things that we know to be the will of God, we're convinced to be the will of God, and therefore we know we need to by faith follow. We're talking about particularly those things that are very difficult because they would seem impossible to do so. It would just seem impossible. Those things that we say, I don't really desire to go where God says to go, that's where we need the faith walk. Walking when it seems impossible. So here's a definition that will give you faith walking. Faith walking is believing the word of God, submitting to the will of God, acting as if God had already done what he had promised, and then waiting on God while experiencing supernatural peace. Now, what we're talking about here, accomplishing things that, that, that seem impossible, let's, let's just make it practical so we kind of set the stage for it. We're talking about things like being faithful to a marriage partner when we don't even like our partner. But the Word of God says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, to your husbands. Let's be in sub subjection one to the other. Come on, let's, let's make it work. And we go, I, I just don't believe it's possible. I don't even want it. Or maybe it has to do, for some of us, controlling a temper that's been unchecked for a lifetime. And the temper has always, it just takes little things and it goes off and we know the damage that it does. But there's something that says, I cannot stop it. It's been a lifetime. Maybe it has to do with tithing and income when financially strapped. And we say, God, there's no way. I can tell you there's this much money, and then you say this, and I can't. I don't know how. Faith walking. Maybe it has to do with defeating an alcohol or drug abuse issue that's been taking you down for years. And you say, I know I can't stop. I can stop temporarily, but never permanently. I know I can't. Now you need a faith walk to make that happen. has to be a faith walk. Maybe it has to do with overcoming a lifetime of worry and fear. We wake up in the night and can never go back to sleep. Stumble just in a knot. Uh, we just have to learn to faith walk. What does it mean, the faith walk? Well, let's unpack that using the expressions of Israel, beginning in Numbers 13 and 14. And I'm going to give you an outline here. It's in your, it's in your uh, notes. And I'm going to encourage you to take this home and as a homework assignment to read through 13 and 14, all the verses. We don't have time. It's a long, long, long passage. But I'm going to give you the crux of the whole story here. We'll read portions, but I want you to see what's taking place. Number one, God's directive to spy out the land. Numbers 13, 1 through 3. Listen as I read. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan. And notice this, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. Now that's 12 tribes, one from each tribe. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the sons of Israel. So here were the greats, the leaders of each tribe, the very best of the best. And God says to Moses, here's how you're going to do it. Pick one from each tribe, get the best of the best, and then send them out. This is a land I have promised to give to you. Then we see number two, Moses' instruction to the spies, Numbers 13, 17 through 20. 
Now with this, I'm not going to read it, but the, the story there is just go out and check the land out. Check, see what you find. And so now they get this instruction. Moses says, see what the land is like. Is it a very beautiful and helpful land? Is it, is it full of good things? Uh, check out and see if it's fortified. Uh, by the way, check out and see who lives there because these are the people that you're going to be called to go in and overtake to get the land. This is my land, and I want you to have it. So just go check it out. Then we come number three, the expedition and return, numbers 13, 21 through 29. So here they go out on their expedition, and they find out it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Their fruit that is so unbelievable. It describes there where they get a, a thing of grapes and have to put it on a, on, a, on a staff between two people to carry it. It's just unbelievable. The evidences that they bring back that this place is as good as God has said and maybe even better in our perspective having seen it. And so they're amazed at what they find. They're out there on a 40-day expedition. But not only do they see how good the land is, but they see how fortified it is, and they also see how big the people are. The sons of Anak are talked about. These are probably the same people from whom we see the descendants of, that, uh, that uh, David came from, and, uh, or the, the giant that David fought. And, uh, I mean, these are huge people. They're, they're really like giants. They really are. So with that, they realize that we got a problem here. Then we see the majority and the minority reports in Numbers 13, 30 through 33. There we read these things. It says, Then Caleb, he's one of the twelve, quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we were not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. And then the 33rd verse just tells how there they saw them as the Nephilim, the son of Anak, and so forth. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And so here are two guys, uh, Joshua and Caleb. The two of them say, we ought to go in. The ten of them say, there's no way to do it. It's impossible. We just can't do it. Now that's going to lead us to the first of five principles. Every week I will give a principle that's related to our subject matter. Here's the first of five principles. Faith walking focuses on the will of God rather than the insurmountable obstacles. Do you hear that? If you want to be engaged in a faith walk, then the first thing we have to say is this. I have to understand that I focus on what God's will is. That is the one thing I have to do. Focus on the will of God. And if I don't focus on the will of God, I will be focused on what appear to me to be insurmountable circumstances, and they will be the obstacles that will keep me from ever having the opportunities that God has been challenging me to receive. 
How many things in your and my life has God said, I want you to have such and such and so and so, peace, and I want you to have love, I, 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 want, you to have, I want you to have faith, I want you to have this, I want you to have that, and, and we go, no, it's just, it's just too much, God, I can't do that. God says, I want to have a great relationship with you. I want us to know each other very, very intimately. And we say, but God, I can't get up early in the morning. I can't spend time, maybe it's at night or whenever. For you. I, I can't spend time every day carving out time of my busy, busy life and spending alone with you. I just can't do that. I know I should, and maybe one day I will, but I just can't do it. God says, I want you to have a great marriage. I want you to enjoy a relationship with a partner, but it's going to mean that you have to be more selfless. You can't be so selfish. And, and we say, as I often do in my own heart, God, I'm just too selfish. I, I can't build it that way because I'm, I want too much for me. I'm not, I'm not others-oriented enough. I don't know if I, how much you and I lose. We lose it in the financial areas. We apply it there because we say, God, I cannot give. I know you say that, but I can't. It's just there are too many things I enjoy doing and want to do, and I can't live without the enjoyment and pleasure. I just can't do it, God. How many things in your and my life does God want to do to give us unusual blessing, and we miss it just because we say, I just can't. It's impossible. Well, as we go further in the story here, it's interesting to see what happens. We come actually to number five in our number of, of uh, points here outlining. It says, entering the promised land on their own. Numbers 14, 39 through 42. Before I read that, can I give you the promise of God all the way back in Exodus? This is in Exodus chapter 6, verse 8. It says this, I will, this is God speaking, I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Now, folks, there is no question about the will of God. I ask Christians all the time, do you think it's God's will to honor the Lord's day and to keep it holy? And I hear Christians say all the time, I do. Do you think it's God's will to take the first fruits of your income and give it? Oh, I do. Do you believe that God wants you to spend time alone with him on a daily basis? I do. And then Christian after Christian say, I don't do it, but I, I know that's what he's... That's what was happening in Israel. And he says, this is an example to you. To you people live today, you and me. He said, here's the story. I've told you I have a land and it is waiting for you. Go in and take it. I know, but I just can't do that. So what do they do? They decide to do otherwise. This is how it reads in Numbers 14. Beginning in verse 39, it says, When Moses spoke these words to the sons of Israel, here are the words that he speaks, by the way, that you haven't read. I told them to go in. They've grumbled. They've complained about what I told them to do. They've resisted and said no. Therefore, for 40 years, they're going to be held out of the land. And only Joshua and Caleb will get to see the land. The other 10 will never see it. Don't go in for 40 years. And then this is what happens. 
When Moses spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people mourned greatly. In the morning, however, they rose up early and went up to the ridge of the hill country, saying, Here we are, we have indeed sinned, but we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised. But they're going to go up when he says, Now don't go. And they're going to go in a way he told them not to go. But Moses said, Why then are you transgressing the commandments of the Lord? when it will not succeed. Do not go up, or you will be struck down before your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. So we compromise our plans, don't we? And so we say, I'll do it this way. I, want to, I don't want to be totally disobedient, and I'll kind of give you a little of this, and I'll do a little bit of what you said here, and I'll do it this way. And God's saying, no, do it the way I told you to. There's too much blessing waiting for you. Next week I'm going to explain, for you that have not heard, the difference between prosperity theology and that's a theology of prosperity as it has to do with lifestyle versus what he's really talking about and this is life prosperity the reality he's saying look if you want prosperity if you really want it do it my way and they don't they go into the land and you can guess what happens. You'll read it when you finish reading 14. They get defeated. It's a terrible experience for Israel. And that's what I truly, truly, truly want to see avoided among the people of this church. I want to see us be a people that say, let's do it God's way. It takes a faith walk. We'll learn how to do the faith walk and see what happens. Now, I would love for you to begin to ask yourself, what are the obstacles that you're facing that are keeping you from a great opportunity? Is it a habit? Is it a fear? Is it a character flaw of some sort? Is it a, an unbearable relationship? Don't know what it is. Insufficient finances. But whatever comes to your mind, whatever that is, I want you to start dealing with that over these weeks and start applying that to this faith walk. Now, having said that, your homework assignment, read chapters 13 and 14. Think about whatever that is that we've just mentioned. And uh, particularly, be sure if you're struggling in the area of resources financially, add that to it as we're working through this all-in period. And then as we close, I'd like for you to see the places we're going over the next four weeks. Let's look at principles two through five. Principle two, faith walking requires significant time alone with God. Number three... Faith walking requires a ruthless commitment to follow God's procedures. Number four, faith walking's greatest threat is the sin of idolatry. That's going to be a very critical week. Because as with the Israelites, so with you and me, it's going to be the issues of idolatry that are going to take us down. Number five, most important, faith walking always follows the path of repentance, grace, and sacrifice. Now, when you hear those words and the last word sacrifice, I want to tell you now before we even get there, I'll come back to this over and over, but please remember this, sacrifice referred to here is not your and my sacrifice. We are here talking about the sacrifice of God on our behalf. The pathway to a faith walk always has a focus 
on what he's done for us, not what we do for ourselves. Years ago, Bob Cargo, one of our teaching team members who taught last week, uh, he said something that I have not forgotten, and we'll bring it back here. Great statement. One time he said in one of his messages, what God does in and through us is always preceded with the understanding that God must first do something for us. Folks, that is the, that's the key right there. You see, what we're talking about, is it one that, that has to do with obedience? Yes, faith walk has to do with obedience. Does it have to do with God's grace? Absolutely. It does with, has to do with what he is going to do for us, meaning his sacrifice. That's why in the Old Testament for the Israelites, they didn't have Calvary to look at. Historically, all they could do was look now to what's happening on the altars, and they would bring the best of their lambs and their animals, and they would, they would sacrifice them and see the heartbreak of killing something that had done nothing wrong to deserve being killed. But simply to say that that's the story of your and my life, pointing to the one that is to come who would be the Lamb of God, Jesus. And when Jesus takes Calvary's cross, now that's the great sacrifice for you and for me. And what we understand is in the faith walk, what happens is we begin to look at what he's done for us and two things happen. Number one, we are enabled to be motivated because we see the great love that he's done for us. But we're also empowered, on the other hand, because once we embrace his work for us, his spirit indwells us and empowers us to be able to faith walk. It's God's grace. It takes obedience, but how do we ever become obedient? It's because of his great sacrifice for us. Folks, we've got to get away from this idea of willpower. I can will my way into living a good Christian life. I will be pretty good in my giving. I will be pretty good in my marriage. I will be pretty... No, we say, God, you've got to empower me. And I look at the cross and that motivates me to see your will and to follow by faith. But we're going to keep pushing it back to the cross. Keep pushing it back till we see, we see, we see. And we're motivated and we're empowered. And we see that faith walk start to be generated. I'm praying that God is going to do something very, very special. I want you to be praying that for your life and for the rest of your church. And say, God, during this five-week period, we want to see some incredible distance in our walk. We want it to be by faith that we've never even experienced to the level we're going to experience. And when we do, something very unique happens in our lives and in our church. It's going to be a good five weeks, I'm telling you. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for giving to us the privilege of a faith walk. We think of those of us here that haven't yet started a faith walk, and we have been directed to you, to your cross, and see what you do for us, not what we do for you. And I pray for any of us here now that are struggling with that whole idea of walking by faith, that you would allow your spirit to indwell hearts right now, for lives to be awakened, for minds to be set free, habits to be set free, unusual change to take place. Grant it, we pray. For all of us here, Father, your family, already in a faith walk, we pray, oh God, forgive us for being, being sight-oriented and not faith-oriented. Show us what it means for us here to be faith-oriented. And Lord, let us take steps we've never taken before. 
May it be not just to our blessing, but may it be to your honor and to your glory. We're going to ask this now in the great name of our Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.